Welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. He was born in Breslau, February the 4th, 1906. His father was professor and a leading expert in psychiatry and neurology and was a very good friend of Albert Einstein. He loved music, the arts. He loved to laugh. He had a hearty laugh. He loved friends, and he had lots of them. He was humble, and yet he lived a life of self-sacrifice and uncommon courage. Although contrary to his father's deep desires to, for him to seek a career in the sciences, he pursued a career in theology. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a professor in Berlin until he became disenchanted with the academic career that was being swallowed up by political correctness agenda. He formed an illegal college that did not follow the acceptable pattern and structure of accredited institutions. Rather, this college for young ministers trained them how to know the voice of the Holy Spirit and how to be wholly sold out to the Lord Jesus Christ and to live their life in the pattern of Jesus. He firmly believed the church needed to leave the ancient dogma and creeds and traditions and to begin again freshly studying the Word of God and teaching the Word of God and discovering how to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. When the National Socialist German Workers' Party or the Nazi Party won several elections and Adolf Hitler seized the position as chancellor in January of 1933, Dietrich had already been warning the church against idolatry and calling for a total surrender to Jesus Christ. And in February of 1933, just one month after Hitler had become chancellor, on the radio broadcast, he boldly, he boldly denounced the system that corrupted, and these are his words, the system that corrupted and grossly misled a nation. And he warned against any system that made the Fuhrer an idol and a God. Dietrich believed the church needed to make 
disciples. Much of his work has been translated from German into English. I quote from Nachfolge, published in 1937, that has been translated into English under the title, The Cost of Discipleship. Quote, when the Bible speaks of following Jesus, it is proclaiming a disciple which will liberate mankind from all man-made dogmas, from every burden and oppression, from every anxiety and torture which afflicts the conscience. If they follow Jesus, men escape from the hard yoke of their own laws and submit to the kindly yoke of Jesus Christ. But does this mean that we ignore the seriousness of his commands? Far from it. We can only achieve perfect liberty and enjoy fellowship with Jesus when his commands, his call to absolute discipleship is approached in its entirety. Only the man who follows the command of Jesus single-mindedly and unresistingly lets his yoke rest upon him and finds his burden easy and under its gentle pressure receives the power to persevere in the right way. We have been studying since the first of the year on living the blessed life. We talked about the fact that that was God's will for every person to live blessed. Then we talked about how significant it is to live in a blessed marriage if we're going to live a blessed life. Now we're going to study on the fact that the only way we can walk in the blessed life is we must be authentic disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not casual followers, not just churchgoers, but authentic disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what he calls us to. And there's a cost to doing that. But what does it mean to be a disciple in this generation of canceled culture and compromise when the church has begun to preach what I call a greasy grace? The kind of grace that just kind of lets you slide into heaven because God is love. He's a big daddy up there that loves you. <laughs> what Bible have you been reading? You know, there are actually evangelical Pentecostal pastors teaching right now that the God of the Old Testament is different from the God of the New Testament. Wait a minute. I thought the Holy Scripture says, I am the Lord God, I change not. I thought it says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. We don't have two gods on our hands. Amen. Same God. We just got to learn. We have forgotten that Jesus calls us to be disciples. Remember in Matthew chapter 4, it talks about Jesus having gone through the 40 days of temptation in the wilderness. He goes north and he's preaching in the Galilee and he's on the shores of the Sea of Galilee 
at near Capernaum, and he sees two fishermen there, their brothers, Peter and Andrew, and he says to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And the scripture says, amazing, they immediately left their nets. Now that is crazy, but they did. And as they're continuing to walk with Jesus, Jesus sees two more fishermen that are brothers, James and John. And it says they followed him. Now, when, when Scripture, when it says, follow me, and says they followed him, it doesn't mean they just kind of paddled along and just, just seeing what Jesus was doing. And going, hmm, this is kind of curious. What's going to happen here? No, 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 no. What it means is they walked in his steps. They listened to his teaching. They saw how he handled situations. They, they, they saw how he dealt with people. They saw how he lived his life, especially how he lived his life out of the public eye. How many here are sick and tired of politicians and leaders and CEOs and people who are one way in the public eye and are totally different I'm not going to ask how many kids would love their parents to live at home the way they talk and appear on Sunday at church. I, I, I worried about that, raising our kids. I, I, I often thought about the fact that, you know, I'm the only pastor Wanda's ever going to have. I tell you, that puts a burden on you. Because I, I would think, if she sees me one way in the pulpit and then I'm weirdly different at home, where's her trust and where's her shepherd care? And I thought about the same thing for my kids. And I would periodically write her a note and ask her to answer me by note because I wasn't sure I could take it face to face. Well, I'm not that good. And I'd ask her to grade me in areas. And then around the dinner table, oh, every couple of years, I'd ask my kids, where do you see dad different at home than in the pulpit? Because I don't want it to be that way. I want to be authentic. See, an authentic disciple walks in the steps of Jesus. That's, that's what it means. And I first and foremost am a disciple of Jesus, not just a preacher. In fact, I don't even like to be called preacher because that's what I do. That's not what I am. What I am, hopefully, is an authentic man of God, an authentic disciple of Jesus. That's what I'm striving for. Amen. Jesus, before he ascended back to the Father, he, he had said to them already, build my church. But then he gave the command, the great, we call it the great commission. It's found in Matthew 28, 19, when he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go make disciples 
The Greek word for disciple is mathetes. Now, just hearing it doesn't stretch your imagination to understand. From that Greek word, we get the English word mathematics. Mathetes. It means a disciplined one. I had to struggle with mathematics because I wouldn't be very disciplined when I was doing my long division and I wouldn't get things lined up right. I would, couldn't figure out. They came with the right answer on the board. How come I can't come up with the right answer? You know? or, or, you know, you got you to line them up right when you're, when you're adding a column of numbers, right? You got to line them up right. You got you to be disciplined to learn your your multiplication tables and your, your subtraction tables, your, right? Your dish, you you got you to gotta be disciplined, disciplined to be mathematical. Well, it's the same way as a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's a disciplined one. It's someone that develops their spiritual disciplines of prayer and study the word, their discipline of learning how to, to bring, like, like Job, I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then can I look upon a woman? You develop the spiritual disciplines. You develop the discipline emotionally. You develop the discipline and renewal of your mind. That is being a disciple. I'm going to walk the way Jesus walks. I'm going to discipline my life to live like Jesus lives. I'm a disciple of Jesus. Come on. Give God a praise. Come on. That's a disciple. You remember in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, Peter, you did it right. You did it right, Pete. Oh, I'm so proud of you. You did it right. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, how's he going to build that church? Well, later in the chapter, he tells us, if anyone desires to follow after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, what does that mean? See, we've got to ask ourselves, what does that mean? Deny myself and take up the cross and follow Jesus. Well, that's actually our study in two weeks. But see, we've got to discover what that means. Follow me. Pete, Andrew, follow me. James, John, follow me. Nations, follow me. Become a disciple. Become a disciple. Well, clearly, when Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, and then he, he talks about that, obviously there is a clear connection there, and we've got to discover that connection because it's closely connected. Follow me deny yourself, take up your cross. We're going to look at that. But there's another thing we've got to look at today. Because back when he first called Pete and Andy and James and John, he stopped and he had a sermon on a hillside on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. We call that the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 5, 6, and 7, that whole sermon he gave. And at the very beginning of that, of that lesson, he talked about living the blessed life. We call it the Beatitudes. And he's talking about living the blessed life. But it's more than that. He's also describing 
the character of a true disciple. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Now, what does that mean? Well, when he talks about blessed are the poor in spirit, the Greek word for poor is patokos, and it literally means to be so poor, so, so out of resource that you are beggarly. But it means more than that. Not only are you beggarly, listen, those that are online, listen close. You don't even have the ability or the resource to change your circumstance. You are beggarly and poor with no way of changing your situation. Blessed are the poor in spirit. God wants us to understand a true disciple is someone who realizes I am so spiritually bankrupt and I can't do anything to change myself because left to myself, I will always destroy myself. Left to myself, I will always do wrong. I, I cannot fix myself. Come on. Come on. If you could have fixed yourself, you'd have done so a long time ago. Right. Cracks me up. And, and you've been there, you've seen it, or you've maybe done it yourself. You, you look at somebody and you go, I can quit smoking anytime I want to. <laughs> well, why don't you? I don't want to. <laughs> what they're saying is, I can't. How many times have you said, I'm going to quit this pornography. I'm tired of this. I'm not doing this anymore. Boom, there you are. I'm not going to lose my temper anymore. I'm not going to yell like that. I'm not going to yell at my kids like that. I don't want to be that kind of mama. I'm going to stop this. There you go. We can't fix ourselves. We are poor. We are beggarly. But blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are they that mourn. To mourn there means to weep. But more than weep, it means to have deep sorrow. But more than have deep sorrow... It means to wail. Have you ever heard somebody wail? Have you ever ridden with a police officer that has to bring news to a family whose son or daughter was just killed in a car wreck? You've heard it. If you've ever been home, of a parent who just found a child that committed suicide or a wife who just found a husband who committed suicide. You've heard it, that wailing. And that's what it means. See, it's not just going, oh, God, I'm sorry I did that. I'm not going to do that anymore. No, it's not that. It is, oh, God, this so breaks your heart. This so violent. God, I am a sinner. Oh, God, and I can't fix myself. Oh, God, and you are brokenhearted and you are wailing over your sin. Blessed are the meek, one who is humble, one who has the strength, but it's strength under control. 
And it is someone who realizes, yeah, you know what? As a human being, I'm strong and I can do things. But you know what? It's not in my human strength. I can't do this in my human strength. I've got to humble myself to Almighty God. Only God can fix me. Only God can make a difference. And so in our beggarliness, in our wailing, we humble ourselves to Almighty God and we cry out for His mercy. We cry out for His cleansing. We cry out for His washing. How different this is from the greasy grace that's being preached in the pulpits. Excuse me, I'm sorry, I got all excited there. (laughs) True disciples, authentic disciples, are disciples that realize sin is like rabies to a dog. And there's only one thing you could do with a dog that has rabies. He's got to be put down. The wages of sin is death. Sin destroys us. It kills us. And it sends us to eternity in hell. But oh, God says, but when you will mourn and when you will become meek, And when you will hunger and thirst after righteousness, that means as much as I used to love my sin. Hey, you want to stop by Midway and get a beer on the way home? Yeah. As much as when you're on the computer and that stuff clicks up on the side. Yeah. As much as you want to get angry. Almighty God says, would you hunger and thirst after right even more than you used to hunger and thirst after sin? Would you hunger and thirst after right? Turn your heart to hunger and thirst after right. And see, when Jesus cleanses and washes your heart, he gives you a whole new want to. I think I've shared this before. I was on a flight one time. I was sitting next to this guy, and of course, he ordered an alcohol, and, and, uh, and uh, he was cursing this and cursing that. And we're about halfway in our flight, and he looks at me, and he goes, and, and I'd been chatting with him, hoping to get an open door to sow some seed. He looked at me, and he goes, I've noticed. You don't drink. I said, I drink all I want to. He said, I know you don't curse. I said, I curse all I want to. Then he goes, what are you saying? I said, I don't want to. I don't want to drink alcohol. I don't want to curse. I said, I didn't used to be that way. What an open door. (laughs) I got to tell him how Jesus changed my want to. See, that's a disciple. We let Jesus change our want to. But like he goes on, he doesn't stop there. He goes, blessed are they who are merciful. We show compassion and love for those who are broken, those who are wounded, for those that are hurting. We show compassion and love. Blessed are the pure in heart. That word pure means, means undefiled, without blemish, to be spotless. Our heart is washed and cleansed. And we walk with that heart. And we let Jesus change our tongue. I don't know what it was like for you. When I got, when I got saved, I could keep up with the worst of them. 
And I couldn't stop. I, I, I'd go, God, I don't want to say that anymore. And I'd turn right around, and it would just come out. It just, it just would come out naturally. I'd so trained my tongue. It just would come out naturally. All those curse words, all those F-bombs would just come right out. And I, finally, I said, God, I can't do this. Would you, would you help me? The next time I use one of those words, make me feel so bad that I never want to do it again. Now, when you pray that kind of prayer with God... He's going to answer. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> and I'll never forget it. It was just a few months after I prayed that prayer, and I was putting up some pictures in my room in the barracks, and I hit the wrong nail. <laughs> really hard. And it just kind of went, you know how... Remember how in the, in the cartoons the thumb would just go boom, boom, boom? That's what my thumb was doing. My thumb was doing that. And I got down off the ladder, and I'm holding it, and I'm sucking on it. I'm babying it. And then it dawned on me, I didn't say a bad word. I was so excited. Now I was more excited about that. I didn't curse. And you know what I'm saying? The pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers. And it literally means those who make peace and those who guard peace. We want our heart to make peace. So we always forgive. We have a heart to forgive. We have a heart to forgive. And, and if, if at all possible, Lord, we're going to do the ministry of reconciliation. We're going to reconcile. We're going to be peacemakers. We're going to be peace givers. And then the last persecution. Literally, literally it means those who are hunted down and taken captive. Persecutors. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Now what's, what's the blessing of this? There's a whole list of blessings that go with this. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. They shall be filled. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. The merciful will receive mercy. The pure in heart will see God. The peacemakers will be called the children of God. And those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, they will see heaven. See, Almighty God says this is the blessed life, an authentic disciple. I want to wrap up by reading to you something that Jack Hayford wrote. It was first published way back in 1966. It was republished again in 2008. It's called The New Breed. Dear ones, in our current culture that is absolutely sliding rapidly into a cesspool. We, we are beginning to openly call evil good and good evil. I was telling Juan on the way here this morning, one of the latest news bulletins out of England they are, they are right now considering passing a law that will make it absolutely against the law and imprisonment for you 
to say anything about Christianity on the job. We're just, we're just sliding into this. If there's ever been a time we needed authentic disciples to rise up, it's right now. Amen. It's right now. Amen. The new breed. There's a brightness on their countenance, a power in their hands. With a sure word of authority, they speak. With the scholar, they're conversant. Understanding with the child, apt at war, or to turn the other cheek. For this special breed of person has a precious freedom found. From conformity's icy prison they have thawed. And in liberty they function. Like a troop from worlds unknown, they have come the thrice anointed Sons of God, purged by water, blood, and fire, by the word and through the cross, then engulfed by Pentecostal tongues of flame, they have struck the crucial balance. Heed the law, live by grace. They have learned the conquering power of Jesus' name. So behold, world, your deliverers. And behold, hell, your fate. You can recognize them by the glory shown. In their faces, light they captured in the face of Christ the Lord. He's their captain. They, his mastery, gladly own. Yes, there's brightness on their countenance and power in their hands, and they valiantly shatter evil's way, tread on scorpions and serpents, heal the sick and raise the dead. They're the radiant legions bringing God's new day. And that's what we need, disciples that will rise up and bring a new day, bring a new spirit to our nation, to our community. Bring a new spirit to our workplace, to our neighborhood, because we are authentic disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at